Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi there, I'm Cindy Linden, and this is the Cook Along Podcast. I have a new cookie recipe. Shocking, I know. This recipe was given to me by my friend Marie. It is an old recipe. This is a chocolate orange cookie. And they are missing things that seem like they should be in there. And they're kind of akin to a shortbread cookie, but not really because they're softer than that. And it was funny because I got them out of the oven and I tasted one. I was like, yeah, huh. Well, that's, that's interesting. It's good. It's fine. I wasn't overwhelmed, but then they're very small. And by the time I got to the third bite, I really had a craving for another one. And it seemed like the more I ate, the better they tasted to me. I don't know if that's a chemical reaction or just something about me or something inherent in the cookie ingredients, I have no idea. The recipe didn't say how many cookies it would make. So I figured, okay, no big deal. I'll just make it up and follow the directions for how you drop it onto the baking sheet. And then I'll know how many cookies it's supposed to make. Well, it made 23 cookies. So I imagine it makes about two dozen, but that's only two servings. Yes, I know that sounds crazy. I'm embarrassed about it. Two of us in one evening finished 20 of those 23 cookies. I have no idea who ate more or whether we each balanced it out with 10. It was quite embarrassing, but we couldn't stop eating them. Now, part of the problem was that we put them right in reach of where we were sitting But still, there's something about these cookies. So here I am sharing this recipe with you. You may consider it a blessing. You may consider it a curse. You may consider it both things at exactly the same time. It's fun to try these. They're very easy, but dangerous, okay? As I said, this came from my friend Marie. She calls it mom's chocolate orange cookie. But the story, as I understand it, is that it actually was her mother's sister's recipe. So she comes by it through family connections. And it's clear that it's an old recipe because there are some things that we don't do anymore, or at least not much. For instance, the first ingredient is a half a cup of shortening. 
Now, of course, in recent years, the use of shortening has been discouraged because it's trans fat and we're not supposed to have that. So that's another thing to keep in mind about this recipe. I still recommend that you try it. Just perhaps don't make them very often. I'm taking a risk here because I've had them less than a week ago, but I really wanted to share this with you. So say la vie, I guess. I just will have to uh, freeze them or something so I don't eat them all at once this time. The other clue here that it's old is at the bottom of the list where it asks for a half a package of small chocolate bits. What that really means, according to Marie, is chocolate chips. The recipe is old enough to not feel that that's a normal home convention that everybody would have in their house some chocolate chips. The third clue that it's old is it asks for a small package of cream cheese. I don't know that they still make these. They used to make packages that were about three ounces. In fact, I used that for a clam dip recipe. It was a, it was a three ounce package that had chives in it. I don't know that you can still buy them. My store doesn't carry them anymore. They only carry the full eight ounce packages. If you can find one, that's great. Uh, but I wouldn't go shopping, especially to try to hunt that down. Just get a regular package of cream cheese. And you know what? I'm just gonna give you the ingredient list. Here we go. I'm gonna start at the beginning. Half a cup of shortening. I am gonna use today some Crisco butter flavored shortening because it happens to be what I have in my house. I don't think it needs to be butter flavor. If you know me and have listened to my podcasts, you know that I will always opt for the flavor of butter when given the opportunity. Then you need this small package of cream cheese, which as I started to say, you're just gonna take three ounces out of an eight ounce package of cream cheese. This is not hard to do because it's marked the way butter is. Most packages of cream cheese are in a silver wrapper that have the ounce markings on the outside. So you just need to cut off three ounces of that. I am actually using what's called a Neufchatel cheese, which is a lighter, a lower in fat cream cheese. And again, it's what I have in the house. It's what I always have in the house. It's one of the places that I can cut my fat intake and my calorie intake. I'm not sacrificing anything in using the Neufchatel because the taste is the same as the cream cheese. It's just less dense. I imagine these are even richer with regular cream cheese. I have not tried that. You're welcome to do so. Then you need a teaspoon of grated orange rind. If you have an orange in the house and a zester, you can just get your own orange zest. If you don't have that, you might be fortunate enough to have some dried orange rind. I know Penzi's makes one. I think Spice Islands makes one. If you're gonna use that, you're gonna to wanna to reconstitute it. Anything that's already dried, that's shredded, grated orange rind, that is in a jar, you're gonna to wanna to reconstitute it until you have about a teaspoon's worth. Maybe, I don't know, a scant teaspoon of it dried and then add just a little water, a half a teaspoon of water and see what happens. Don't leave this ingredient out. It is one of the two main flavors in this cookie. You don't wanna leave it out and you don't, I don't think, wanna try substituting like an orange extract or something. I have no idea how you would do that. I don't know, it might work. Maybe if you were desperate, you could try, let's say, a teaspoon of orange extract. That is totally off the top of my head, completely untested. I have no idea whether you'd even be able to taste it 
or whether it would make the cookie dough too thin. I really hope that you have access to an orange. That's the easiest thing, probably. Uh, then you need a half a cup of sugar, an egg. We'll talk about how to separate an egg so that you have the white and the yolk separate and can use them separately. We aren't gonna use the white in this one. You can just throw it out or you can hang on to it and throw it in with some scrambled eggs or something in the next couple of days. You need a teaspoon of vanilla, a cup of flour, which we're gonna sift, and I'll talk about that as well, a quarter of a teaspoon of salt, and about five ounces of chocolate chips. If you like milk chocolate, you could try that. I think it needs to be darker than that to really make this recipe right. I would suggest semi-sweet at the sweetest. If you have a dark chocolate or a bittersweet chocolate, I think that would be really lovely in here, but they all either need to be chips or you need to chop up some kind of chocolate bar. Don't go for unsweetened. That would be, that would be just a shade too bitter, not sweet enough at all. Just thought I ought to mention that in case some of you were feeling ambitious about getting this chocolate as dark as you could. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Good. All right, let's give this a start, shall we? You'll need a large bowl 
a mixer of some sort is going to be easiest or some way to cream the first ingredients together, which you could do with a whisk if you have a lot of energy and are willing to expend a lot of calories and elbow grease, which, you know, might be appropriate considering how addictive these cookies are, I guess. You're going to need a second bowl and some cookie sheets. And before we get started mixing things, you'll want to turn your oven on to 350 degrees so that it can preheat. I am trying an experiment. Actually, I've been thinking about this while I was talking to you. Rather than make a whole second batch within the course of a week, I, well, I am going to make a whole second batch, but what I think I'm going to do is not bake them. I think I'm going to try my trick of freezing cookies. So I'm going to mix them all up and I'm going to drop them onto my greased cookie sheet. Oh, that's another thing you'll need is cooking spray or a way to grease the sheet. And then I think I'm going to freeze them uncooked and put them into a plastic bag so that I can bake them one or two at a time. Even three or four at a time is better than the 10 that I ate the night we made them. I don't know how well the shortening and the cream cheese will freeze, but I think I'm going to try that. And FYI, I promise to leave you notes about how well it worked in case after you've tried these, you decide that you're in the same pickle that I am, that you'd like to have some more, but you don't want the temptation of having half of the batch at one time. Okay, now... The first thing we're going to do is cream some stuff together. That means we're going to put it into a mixer and beat it on high until it's pretty much, well, creamy, creamy, smithereened, you know, creamy. My shortening, I'm lucky enough to also have, it comes in cubes, and so it also has the silver foil with the measuring on it. So all I have to do for mine is cut it. If you have a tub, obviously you're going to have to measure it into a measuring cup. So get your half a cup of that into the bowl for your mixer. If you have a hand mixer, that's fine. I'm using a KitchenAid stand mixer, which just happens to be an incredibly gorgeous, bright robin's egg blue. Pretty fun, huh? That's one of the coolest things that KitchenAid did. It was so silly because it has no effect whatsoever on anything you're doing in the work you're doing when you cook, but it's just fun. It just is to have a bright colored mixer in your kitchen. I guess they knew me and a lot of other people better than we did ourselves. Now, the three ounces of cream cheese. If you've got that line, oh, do I still have the line? My package has been opened before. Oh, yep, there it is. One, two, three. You also could use a kitchen scale, I suppose. Now, again, my cream cheese is lighter, less dense, and less hard because it's the Neufchatel instead of regular cream cheese, which it also means it's softer because it doesn't have fat that's hardened in the refrigerator, you know, like butter does, that'll harden up. Hopefully that won't be a problem. And then the third thing is the orange rind. And here I have to stop and zest an orange. Let's see if I have a good one here with lots of peel. When I buy oranges, I try to find ones that have really thin skins, which you can tell by looking at them because they don't have so many little dimples in them. The skin is really smooth. The smoother the skin, the thinner the skin is, so you have more juice in there. So if you're juicing oranges, which is mostly what I do, you want ones that don't have a lot of little pox. The skin is as smooth as you can get it. For what I'm doing today, I'm picking out the one with the most pocked skin because that tells me it's a little thicker. You do want to wash it. 
because we're going to eat this actually instead of throwing out the rind. So it may feel weird to be washing the outside of an orange. Probably we should all be doing it every time we eat one. I guess that clues you into the fact that I don't. But like I said, I'm mostly juicing them. And then I have a, um, it's a zesting planer thing. You can use it to grate cheese as well. And this is going to take a few minutes. You could use a grater, I suppose. If so, you want the finest grating you can possibly get. If you're using the kind you have to reconstitute, this is the moment to be putting those together. Actually, no, that should have been a do-ahead. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. That should have been a do-ahead. I mean, I did mention it early, but I didn't mention that it needed to be done before we can even start. And I apologize for that. A teaspoon is kind of a lot. Ouch. Be careful of your knuckles of orange zest. So I found last week when I did this that I had a fairly large orange and I took off the very outside of almost all of it with the zester. You don't want to keep going too deeply. You don't want the white part that's under the skin. That's pith and it's bitter. It's nasty. It does not taste like orange in the way that you want these cookies to taste. I don't actually measure as I go. I kind of put a teaspoon nearby, an empty teaspoon to just use as a gauge so I can kind of see when I'm getting close. As I'm looking at this orange, I've actually used most of it. So count on using most of an orange. And then the orange, there's nothing wrong with this orange. It looks ugly and it's missing its outside skin, but you can still eat it or juice it or whatever you want to do with it. It's going to dry out a little more now. You'll want to use it first if you have more than one orange, but it can go back in your refrigerator. And the orange zest, which I'm now scraping off the bottom of my zester, goes in to the mixer bowl with the cream cheese and the shortening. Now put your beater attachment on if you're using a stand mixer or actually a hand mixer too. Get your beater attachments all set and ready to go, but don't start it yet. Now you want to go measure your sugar out. Get your half a cup measure, scoop it into your sugar bowl or canister and have it ready to go. Let's just sort of set it nearby your mixer so that we can add that. And then go back, close the mixer, shut it down, you know, put the blades into the bowl. That's what I'm trying to say. And start mixing this up just on slow at first. Again, right now, all we have in the bowl, I hope I didn't confuse you, is the shortening, the cream cheese, and the orange zest. Once they get kind of mixed up so they're not going to shoot out of the bowl, you want to speed it up. Creaming means you have to do things at a pretty high speed. Work it up a little at a time to at least medium high. I have mine on an eight out of 10 now. And just let it go for a few minutes until it's all sort of mixed together. looking pretty good. I'm going to scrape the bowl down with a spatula, silicone spatula, and then I think I'm going to do it just another few seconds to be sure it's all incorporated in there and nice and creamy. All right, here we go, creaming again. All right, that's nice and fluffy. Now you can slow it down a little bit, and what we're going to do is 
pour the sugar in. So I've got mine now on a two, and you're just gonna gradually add the sugar. Don't dump it in all at once. Pour it in a little slowly in a stream. I'm speeding up the mixer to get that all in there. And now we're gonna put in the egg yolk. All right, now don't freak out about this, okay? It's gonna be all right. It's really gonna be just fine. You can have one container or you can have two. If you're feeling anxious, it won't hurt to have two. Crack your egg on the side of the bowl you're using. I'm using a measuring cup because my bowls, my small bowls are all dirty, used. Crack it on the edge so you get a, a line and then put both thumbs into the crack spot slowly. Don't do it quickly, go slowly. And then just gently pry the two halves apart using your thumbs, pry the two halves apart. What's gonna happen as you're doing this is that the white part is gonna kind of roll off. You wanna keep the egg tipped in such a way that the egg yolk stays inside the bottom half of the shell. So you've got an empty shell in one hand and then you've got the egg yolk with some white left on it in the other half in your other hand. Tip the egg yolk into the empty part of the shell, trying to leave the white behind. And again, just sort of use the now empty shell to kind of pull the white apart from the yolk. It'll kind of roll away and it's gonna roll the yolk. If this has worked the way it just did for me and the way you want it to, you'll probably have a yolk now with almost no white left on it. And if you want to, you can dump it back to the empty shell again, just to check and make sure you got all the white off. But a little white is not gonna hurt this recipe at all. Now the egg yolk is in one half, the bottom half of the egg shell I have in my hand. You're gonna just tip that into the mixing bowl with the other stuff you got. Now, like I said, you've got this egg white left behind. If it's in a little bowl, you can cover it and stick it in the refrigerator. You can put it in a little jar. The trick is, at least in my house I've found, is to remember that it's there and use it next time you scramble some eggs or specifically look for a recipe that uses a single egg white. Good luck with that. But they do exist to find a way to use it. But you know, it's half of an egg. So don't feel bad if you end up just tossing it out. It's okay, it's really okay. Now the last thing we're gonna add at this moment is a teaspoon of vanilla. I, as usual, because I can't seem to resist it, am using Penzi's Double Strength Vanilla Extract, which means it's more vanilla than it's supposed to be. I don't have a problem with that. Any vanilla will do here. It can be single strength, double strength, imitation vanilla, it's all good. Put in a teaspoon with the egg yolk and the stuff you have in the mixing bowl. And then turn the mixing bowl on low and then a little higher to get all that incorporated. So everything in the bowl now, you want it all the same color. Now we're gonna sift some flour. If you have a sifter, that's great. If you don't, that's no big deal. If you have a sieve, that's what I use and that will work just fine. As I hope you're learning from me, we're gonna do some things to the flour before we use it. 
So grab a spoon. I have one that gets buried in here. I never intended to keep it in here, but I keep forgetting to take it out. That's fine because I need it every time. You're going to stir up the flour in your canister. I don't care if it's still in the bag, no matter what it's in. As far down as you can reach without spilling everything all over, stir it up. This is aerating the flour. If you don't do this, the cookies are going to have way too much flour in them. This is important, I've discovered, no matter what. I used to think you needed to do it with baking, like muffins or, you know, thread-like thing or cake-like thing. But I have also learned that if you don't do it with pie crusts, your pie crusts are going to be too dense and they'll be hard. They'll be hard to roll out because they won't be moist enough and they'll be hard when you eat them. So always aerate your flour before you do anything. Now the second step, of course, is also what I suppose some people regard as a pain in the hiney because you don't want to scoop it even now that it's aerated. Get your spoon and spoon it into your measuring cup. Fill up the measuring cup one spoon at a time until it overflows and then use the handle of the spoon to level off the top. Just run it across the top of your measuring cup. Now I'm dumping this into a sieve. I stopped using a sifter. I find them hard to use. They get stiff. They don't work well. It takes forever. So I'm using a sieve that I just tap against the side of my hand. Now I'm doing this over a bowl. I probably should have mentioned that. You have to have a bowl underneath your sieve or your sifter in order to sift this flour. You, I suppose, could do this directly into the mixing bowl. That would save you having to wash a bowl. I don't know why I didn't think of that, but I guess it feels like it would be messy and makes me uncomfortable. So there you go. And then to the sifted flour, we're going to add a quarter of a teaspoon of regular salt. You don't want iodized. I use sea salt. Don't use the iodine stuff. Iodine has a flavor. It's not a good flavor. You don't want it in your cookies or in anything else you make or in anything else you eat for that matter. And then we're going to turn the mixer back on and just get it going slowly and then pour this flour in in a way that doesn't make it shoot up all over the kitchen. There we go. Mix that until it's not separated anymore. You actually have an amalgamated dough. And again, that doesn't take very long. I'm going to scrape down the sides again just to be sure that all that flour gets actually mixed in. Oh, and some always gets caught on the top of my mixing blade that I have to scrape down in. Make sure all the flour is down in the bottom and then give it another quick turn with the mixer. And then we add the chocolate chips. I used semi-sweet when I did this the other day because they were the easiest to get to. Because it was a brand new recipe, I didn't feel like experimenting. I wanted to see how it would come out. I keep my chocolate chips in the freezer right here in my kitchen, so they're always handy, but the semi-sweet ones. Today, well, we need five ounces, and I have a scale. I'll measure it for you, but let me do it by weight. If you have a scale, you can do this. I'm going to do half semi-sweet and then half bittersweet, which is 60% cocoa. Semi-sweet is 43% cocoa. So here we go. I'm weighing them out. So let's see, five ounces, half of that would be two and a half. So... There's two and a half of the semi-sweet. And I'm adding now another two and a half of the bittersweet. Now, what I'm gonna do, just so you have a sense, is measure how much I got here. That'll make your lives easier. This is 
this five ounces is hmm, kind of a scant one cup of chocolate chips. Not very scant. I think if you went to a cup, you'd be all right. And of course, we're really done here. All we're going to do is stir these in. So just dump them into your mix here. If you're using a hand mixer at this point, you should stir these in by hand. It'll just be easier. If you're using the stand mixer, we're just going to turn it on to stir for just a moment, just enough to get them mixed around a little bit. That looks good. All right. Clean off your beater. Get all that good dough get down into the bowl. Hopefully your oven's about done preheating. Spray your cookie sheet and grab a kitchen spoon. This says drop it by teaspoons. I think a teaspoon measurer is awkward to use for this. So grab just your sort of tablespoon. You're not a tablespoon measure, a cereal spoon. The kind you use to stir your coffee with or your tea, that kind of spoon. And scoop up a smallish batch. It's not going to fill the spoon. It's going to be like, I don't know, half full. And then put this on the cookie sheet. They don't have to be really far apart because they're not going to change shape a lot. They don't have any leavener in here. There's nothing in here that's going to make them rise. You're just making little drops. It would appear, since I'm doing this as well, that I am going to bake these up. Ooh, trouble. Um, I may freeze a few. I do want to freeze a few just to see how that works out. So these are like, oh, what is that about? It's like the size of a large marshmallow. You know, the kind you make s'mores with, for those of you who make s'mores. I don't like s'mores. I'm probably losing half my following right now. I don't like s'mores, but it's not my fault. When I was maybe 11 or something, I went to a Girl Scout camp, and I don't remember anything about that camp except for two things. The first is that that I got sick after eating the s'mores. Now, whether that was the s'mores or not, it could have been anything. It could have been anything. It could have been stress. It could have been whatever they served us for dinner. But you know how that goes when you've been sick after eating something, it's hard to go back. So it's really not my fault, but I don't eat s'mores. The other thing I remember from the camp was breakfast because the pancakes they made for us were, <laughs> they were raw in the middle. Oh joy, it was that's something else that I, no, I do eat pancakes. I didn't get sick on the pancakes, but it was startling to eat pancakes that were gooey in the middle, and so I've never forgotten that. But back to the cookies at hand. Onto the cookie sheet. Do give them a little space, like an inch or so between them. And when you're done... In theory, if this works out the way it did for me last time, you'll have about 24 cookies. If it doesn't, and they're smaller, or they're bigger, that's okay. It doesn't matter. Well, you know, you don't need to stick around while I do this. I'm going to let you go do your own thing with this. All you're going to do from here is bake them for 15 minutes at 350 degrees. And they'll come out these kind of weird-looking little mounded things that didn't change much except the chocolate chips will have melted. This is of course always a good thing. Give them just a minute to firm up before you remove them from the cookie sheet. After they've had a chance to set for just a few moments, go ahead and use a spatula and transfer them to some sort of cooling rack if you have one. If not, you can just let them cool on the cookie sheet. It just will take a little longer and then you're good to go. 
it's fun to eat them while the chips are still melty. You can eat them the next day and they're still plenty soft. The cookies are just as addictive the second day. I had only three left, but I inhaled them and wished there were more. You can contact me easily on the Cook Along Podcast Facebook page. If you have questions about this recipe or actually any other recipe, please reach out to me. You can send me a private message there, or you can just post your question about the recipe or any other recipe that we've made together, and I will answer it as soon as I see it. And I do check it a couple of times a day. So feel free to leave me a message there on the Facebook site. Meanwhile, the main site where you can get the ingredient list and see pictures of the finished product and any tips I have later about freezing these, because I am going to freeze some of them and just see what happens. Those will all show up on the website, which is thecookalongpodcast.com. And if you like what you're hearing and you want it to continue and you want to contribute, you want to help sponsor this whole idea and my work here with you, please visit my Patreon page. There's a link on all the pages of my website, thecookalongpodcast.com. There's a link at the bottom left that looks like a kind of a stick with a circle. That's the Patreon P. I would love to hear what you think about these cookies. Like I said, my first impression was kind of meh, but then I found I couldn't stop eating them. I would love to know if that happens to anybody else or what you think of them in general. And probably at this point, the best way to do that is also the Facebook page. So give me a visit after you make these and let me know what you think. Until next time, happy cooking! Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're enjoying this podcast, you can make a contribution through the supporter link on every Cook Along podcast page or go to Ko-fi, ko-fi.com slash the Cook Along podcast. 
Thanks for your support, and thanks for listening.